My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to welcome you to episode 189 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our episode this week is entitled Refuting the Beelzebub Accusation or... Uh, the finger of God. Uh, our feature text is Sayings Q 11, 14 through 15, and then 17 through 20. And he cast out a demon, which made a, a person mute. And once the demon was cast out, the mute person spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some said, By Beelzebub, the ruler of demons, he cast out demons. But knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is left barren, and every household divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, uh, by whom uh, do your sons cast them out? This is why they will be your judges." But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then there has come upon you the reign of God. Our companion texts are Matthew 9, 32-34. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Matthew twelve twenty-five through 38 uh, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can the kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then in Luke uh, 11, 14-15, and then 17-20, through 20, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If we're going to get our heads around any of this this week, in this week's saying, um, I think we first have to step back into the worldview of the, the gospel writers here. And as we've covered before, a Jewish apocalyptic worldview, um, it holds a, a dualistic view of this world and the cosmos. There are 
earthly powers for good and evil, and there are uh, parallel cosmic forces uh, for good and evil that the earthly powers are simply a conduit for. So there's the seen world and an unseen world. And, and first century Jewish apocalypticism, it added to this a belief that they were the earthly expression of the cosmic good. And they would have also viewed their foreign oppressors like Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media, uh, Persia, uh, Greece, and, and finally Rome, they, they would have viewed these as earthly expressions of evil. They and their oppressors would have been connected in some way to, to cosmic forces of good and evil. And the, the, the Jewish people, uh, to, to Yahweh and their oppressors, uh, to, to, to evil as well, like uh, the Satan or Beelzebul or demons, etc. So, so, so ever since the days of Jeremiah, the Jews had interpreted their exile and their foreign occupation as punishment from Yahweh for Judah's sins, and they longed for liberation, um, which they referred to, they called it Yahweh's forgiveness of those sins. And they viewed this liberation as, as Yahweh uh, taking on the cosmic powers of evil and evil's earthly conduits and working out a, a victory that would be expressed or, or even, even reflected in, in their political, social, and economic freedom. And, and in, in the minds of, of the early gospel writers, Jesus represents the earthly hope of Yahweh's cosmic deliverance. And, and I want to be very careful here. Jesus did not fulfill all the Jewish hopes for a, a coming Messiah. Rosemary Ruther, uh, I think, rightly states that uh, Jesus, and this is from her book, uh, uh, To Change the World, Christology and Cultural Criticism, page 42, he, um, Jesus announced the messianic hope and gave signs of its presence, but uh, also died in that hope, crucified on the cross of unredeemed human history. So in, in this light, the cross interrupts Jesus' saving work and, and is overcome by the resurrection. The, the early Jewish community of Jesus' followers, it, 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 it continued to, to proclaim that hope and, and also to begin to experience its presence. But they also, we have to remember this, they just like Jesus, they, they did so under the cross of unresolved human contradictions. In this week's saying, Jesus represents liberation, uh, but, but he's also being accused instead of being an earthly conduit of evil, even while engaged in the activity uh, that his own community would have normally seen as liberating. So let's talk about say, the Satan and, and Beelzebul for a moment. Uh, and I, I do want to say a few words about uh, th these two. Satan and Jewish apocalypticism, it, it's not a name, uh, but a title or a label. It's more accurately... Uh, would be the the Satan, so or, or the adversary. Uh, so again, Jesus's question in this saying could be more appropriately understood as as being, if the adversary is divided against himself, then how will his kingdom stand? So it's a very apocalyptic phrase. But uh, he, and Jesus objects here to the logic uh, of claiming that he's an adversary of the people, 
and yet against their adversary. A house divided itself he's, against itself, he said, uh, will, will fail. And, and he references in Luke specifically, Matthew takes this saying and puts it in two different places, but Luke's, Luke puts all of this saying into one, in one context, and scholars believe that's the way it originally uh, would have been. But uh, Luke's use of this phrase, the finger of God, is significant. In Luke's version of this saying, it has an interesting history behind it. In, in Jewish history, this is a phrase used by Pharaoh's magicians when they recognized the cosmic powers of good behind the earthly conduit of, of liberation of the oppressed and the figure of Moses. And, and Exodus 8 and 9 bears this out. And the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen just as the Lord had said. And the author of Luke would have wanted to connect Jesus in the minds and hearts of the readers, not only with the liberation symbol of Moses, but also with a slur here. The Egyptian magicians could, uh, could recognize Yahweh's liberated, liberation work uh, when they saw it. Yet the people in Jesus' society, Luke is intimating that they could not. And their understanding of earthly events and their ability to perceive the cosmic forces behind those events was lower than even their Egyptian oppressors. And the Jewish portion of, of Luke's audience would have been highly offended uh, by this. I think today the principles that we can glean from this apocalyptic story is, is in the... In the heart group application two weeks ago, I asked you to discuss um, why positive social changes for the church, such as um, historically things like the end of slavery or racial integration and the end of patriarchy and egalitarianism and injustice for the marginalized, and including the LGBTQ community, why those historically have not come from within the church, but from uh, uh, it's it's not come from our intrinsic process. Um, as far as understanding a truth and that working its way out into our life, it's rather been imposed on the church um, always from outside forces. If the church is meant to be such a power of good in our society, why is it that, like Martin Luther King Jr. used to ask, that the church too often is, is not the headlights of our society, but the taillights? Both the church and the world still haven't rejected uh, classism, but 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 in the areas uh, 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 like just uh, like I mentioned, uh, our secular society is far ahead of the church. I recently had the privilege of of sitting in the audience of a congregation um, uh, that that thought was thought to be special because it was the first in its own faith tradition to ordain women to ministry. And then they mentioned the date. Uh, it was 1995. And let that sink in for a minute. 1995, that's 76 years after the United States Congress passed the 19th Amendment guaranteeing women a right to vote in American society. 76 years. And for this congregation to be celebrating its work, I think is two-edged. Uh, yes, it's good to finally celebrate that things have come around, I should also mention that that right now, within the same tradition, administrators ha have agreed that churches that ordain women in their respective territories should be censored for, for a year and, and required to cease, desist, and, and reverse the ordination of women that they've conducted since 1995. And I'll, I'll put a link to, to uh, this 
uh, article uh, or, or, or that news blurb where, the, where that's mentioned uh, in our e-site this week. But, but the other side of this double-edged sword is that 76 years is nothing to celebrate when, when many other denominations crossed this Rubicon over a century ago. So why do churches only embrace positive, liberative changes within our society when forced to? And many of these changes can be traced back to the very Jesus that many Christians would say is at the center of their tradition. I think it's anachronistic to, to, to say that Jesus was a feminist, but he did challenge some of the societal assumptions about women in his day, and we've covered that in, in, in past uh, uh, podcasts. He did regard women as made in the image of God as equally as men, and yet churches that desire to follow Jesus uh, they're not pioneering on, on these issues. They're not even bringing up the rear. Many are digging in their heels and, and refusing to change. If history teaches us anything about the struggle between sectors of our society who practice faith and, and the larger secular sectors of our society in matters of justice, uh, violence, and oppression, it's that, that many faith groups are only going to shift the dynamics within their structures when they're forced to. And for a, a history of, of um, this, the tension between faith communities and, and, and the more secular society, I want to recommend to you this week Susan Jacoby's book, Free Thinkers, A History of Secularism in America. I think you would gain a lot uh, from that. I can't help but think of the myriads of Christians in my own region who, who, as I write this, are making excuses for police brutality rather than pioneering a path to systemic race, sex, and class justice. Um, and right now, the, the fact that um, uh, 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 a majority of Christians are, are making excuses for very vocal uh, statements of sexism um, and, and misogyny um, I wonder what part of Jesus does any of this even look like? And, and too often, we may mean well, um, yet we aren't well informed by or even exposed to the experiences of those that are not like us. Instead of seeing the parallels between liberation movements in the time of Jesus and those in our own world today, movements about survival and liberation and resistance and restoration and transformation, instead of seeing the parallels between these movements, the, these brave people and, and, and their Jesus, uh, some of us see these movements as, as, as somehow threatening, as somehow evil, and, and, and something to be minimized and, and even removed. This saying this week is striking for me. Whether the, the, the demons we're casting out from our societies are racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, or, or other kinds of evil, this week reminds us that those privileged in society, they frequently view liberation movements as the work of, to quote the story this week, uh, Beelzebul rather than Yahweh, to put it in that language. And they fail to perceive the, the finger of God when it works for the liberation of those under our thumbs. Liberation that would change the entire world for everyone. Recently, I sat in a, a lecture by a dear friend of mine who, who recounted the history of, of uh, Black Lives Matter and the civil rights movement and explained that at the core of this movement is the belief that when black lives are free from oppression, um, everyone's lives will be free as well. So it's one thing to be deceived. 
and mistake something evil for something good. Um, It's an entirely different matter to be threatened by a change for good. Accuse it of being evil and of the devil and and fight against it to keep it from uh, influencing our world in spite of how much suffering it would end for so many. Too often, those who, who claim the name of Jesus have labeled black liberation, women's liberation, poor people's liberation, LGBTQ liberation movements, and a myriad of other liberation movements. They've labeled those as being evil, and it would be well to contemplate this week uh, our saying, lest we find ourselves repeating the same exact history from a desire to preserve the status quo today. Again, this is Sang's Q, 11, 14 through 15 and 17 through 20 in that last phrase. But if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then there has come upon you God's reign. Heart group application this week. This week, I want you to take those five elements again, survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. And I want you to locate a saying that expresses each one of these elements uh, in Jesus' sayings and the stories in the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Just take those three and, and go through and find uh, something that that illustrates those uh, five elements again. And then number two, I want you to locate movements in our world today, Google them if you have to, where these same five elements of survival, of resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation are present. And look for, for where uh, and from whom they get negative pushback in our society. And then number three, Mark the parallels between what you found in step one and step two, and then meet with your heart group to to discuss and share what the next step could be for you as a a community. Wherever this week's saying finds you, uh, follow the example of Jesus in the stories. Keep at the work of of survival, of, of resistance, of liberation, of of, of restoration and, 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 and transformation. And, and remember, you, you're not alone. There are many who are standing with you, and we here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we are too. Keep living in love till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues, is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember Remember, every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. <laughs>